Hi, this is Chris from Darker Days Radio, and this is Darkling number 46. So I am joined by regular host Chig. Hello, Chig. Evening, Chris. How's it going? Uh, pretty good. I've been shooting people up in the uh, underhives of Necromunda. It's good fun. Nice. I think we'll keep that for the main show when we talk about our general gaming stuff because this being a darkling uh is our little spin-off shows that we do where we focus on very particular smaller topics or particular interviews and we are joined by matt webb from jackalope live action studios and he is talking to us about a certain new larp event which ties into the world of darkness so uh welcome to the show matt Oh, thank how you for having you, me. It's very exciting. How are you here. doing? You're um, uh, where are you based? Are you based? Um, uh, we are based in in Texas, in Austin, Texas, as you might guess by our our lovely name and mascot, the the noble Excellent. and proud jackalope. Excellent. Uh, so you're in Chick's area then? <laughs> We're practically next door neighbors. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, in that three hour drive sort of Texas way. We're next door <laughs> exactly. neighbors. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, so Matt, you're going to be telling us about a particular new uh, LARP event that is coming up uh, this year. But before yes. we get into that, uh, why don't you just give us a bit of background on how you got into gaming, how you got into LARP, uh, oh and into White Wolf stuff. Just give us a br as brief an overview as you can. And then, of oh, course, okay. who Jackalope Live Action Studios are and what they are known for so far. Okay, so... Uh... So to begin with, we have to, I started about 20 years ago. I was about 15 years old and I started playing Battletech of all things. That's how I got into uh, gaming because my uh, older cousin introduced it to me. And my first RPG was Mech Warrior, which was the Battletech RPG. But I quickly graduated from that to doing Call of Cthulhu. And then when I was about 17 or 18. Uh, I jumped into Vampire in the World of Darkness. And my first live action game was actually Cthulhu Live, this troupe that ran it in Houston and has been running it in Houston for many, many years. And so I've always been kind of grounded in LARP as a horror experience. And mm. then I went on to start playing World of Darkness LARP since about 2001 and uh, ran you know, some of the big club games like the MES and so a lot of troop games. And I even did like online vampire like IRC games. I found it and ran one of those called sanguinous.org, which is still running. And ever since then, it's gotten to this point where you pretty much have to ask me what I haven't done because I've done tabletop, parlor LARPs, experimental LARPs. Um, I just literally just got back from a post-apocalyptic Mad Max kind of boffer event, some friends of mine run outside of town called wasteland war so i'm still aching from that so i just i'm i'm what somebody called just a uh, a geek polyglot excellent and good crits and that's what then you know that being involved in those larp uh, events has led you to you know run your own larp events and be involved in organizing uh, oh yeah events. so um how did you know Tell us about uh, Jackalope Studios and, and other LARP events that you've been involved uh, organizing and helping to run then. Sure. So about two years ago, I started getting really into looking at kind of the uh, Nordic experiences and the kind of really in-depth sort of stuff that's going on there. And I started, I went to Grand Masquerade after meeting some people at the Living Games Conference in Austin, uh, uh, Johanna and Bjarke. 
uh, Johanna Kuljan and then uh, Bjarke Peterson from Participation Design Agency. And we had some really interesting talks about the possibilities of what I was doing with technology in LARP. And they, they invited me to go to Grand Masquerade to go to the end of the line, New Orleans, which is actually the Nordic vampire, the Masquerade game that went on to, to win a Diana Jones award. Um, and it was a really great experience. It was kind of eye-opening to me as the fact that you had this very high physicality, high like immersion, very light mechanics sort of game going on. And everyone was really in it. And these were long time like troop World of Darkness players, but they just jumped right in and they completely embraced this completely different kind of what they're, what they're starting to call the bespoke style, where the powers are very simplified if they exist at all. Most people are human. There's people touching each other. There's people like throwing each other to the ground and they've negotiated having like play fighting inside of there and this like crazy. And they transform these conference rooms, these like meeting rooms in the, the, on the fourth or fifth floor of a hotel into an underground illegal nightclub that was full of graffiti and everyone totally bought in. And that was a really eye-opening experience for me. And after having some conversations with PDA, I went on to go help them with Enlightenment Blood in Berlin. And Enlightenment Berlin, if your audience, is, the audience don't know about it, is this big game. It must have had 300, 400 people in it. They rented locations in like a 10 block radius in East Berlin's club district, including like whole nightclubs, whole bars, a church. And they set up basically for eight or 10 hours, you were in the world of darkness during the Anarch Revolt that kills the Prince of Berlin. Hmm. And... It's, and we're out in the open for most of this. You're walking between places in the club district of East Berlin. Most people are not in on that. And you have not lived until you've seen 30 black leather clad anarchs, vampire players walking down the road and some guys come out of a bar and they all kind of flatten themselves against the wall because they're, they're not in on it, but they're going, what the hell is happening here? <laughs> yeah. Because these was, anarchs uh... just find out what this was. <laughs> It was a, an interesting experience because uh, the Enlightenment Bloodluck was the first time I've done any live action role play whatsoever. Oh, wow. So, because they ruined I you. Think, yeah, I mean, <laughs> essentially, um, I've never really, I think the Mind's Eye Theatre stuff has never really personally grabbed me strong enough because um, I've always kind of run, I've always run all my, you know, tabletop stuff i'm always the person running them so i've kind of like i think enlightenment and blood kind of sold me on that um the production levels because it's it's a one-shot event so you know it's a kind of all or nothing everyone's buying into it and it kind of sold me and it also worked for me because because we were in character walking through the street the streets of berlin it reinforced the concept of the masquerade or equivalent for whichever race of supernatural thing you were. I mean, me and Mike were walking around as the only technocratic agents in the entire <laughs> game, um, which was really cool. Um, which yeah. is funny because I was playing the virtual ad app and I was yeah. tracking you guys all night long. <laughs> <laughs> I was so trying to get the changelings to kill you. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> right. We, we, we missed them. Uh, we took out the Pentex guys, though, after we chatted to them. So um, that was good fun. Well, they thought you were the tech. They thought the Pentex guys were the technocrats as well. Ah, well, that was our fault then. 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, you've you've then you know you've played as I say you've played a run troop based kind of traditional mind's eye theater where you've got like ongoing campaigns, character mm-hmm. sheets, experience points, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, which is very much a reflection of the tabletop game, and then you've got this more Nordic style kind of um, I guess simplified but more simplified in terms of the rules in in some of the rules but in other other it's in other ways it's more it's more definite because it allows you to have that um interaction that physicality as you said so so what what do you find is the benefit of nordic larp or what are the highlights of it for you i think the fact that you have this this expectation of having an immense amount of buy-in and this is um, this expectation of I we give you a world and we make it immersive and powerful, and then you go and you make a story inside of it, mm. and you make it you, you you have this pageantry to it, but it's this very kind of visceralness where the one advantage like not all Nordic LARP because Nordic LARP is just such a terrible term because it covers so much, but I'm going to call these these bespoke sort of LARPs where they're very much in this, like, you are there, right? Because, you know, Berlin was a perfect choice because Berlin is a fantastic world of darkness city, right? In the same way, like, running a game in New York City would be with all the graffiti and old buildings and everything like that. And you just, they pick a location that just feels right. And you go there and you know it doesn't, you can play straight to the hilt without any reservations in order to do the interesting, right? Yeah, And I've heard this story like do the dumb or play to lose, but I, I like the term do the interesting, which is go in and like make choices that aren't optimal, but make it so that things happen and you get you get this. I mean, when we walked into World, uh, to World of Darkness Berlin and into Enlightenment of Blood, everyone knew you had six hours in this fantastic setting in this game that would probably never run like run in the same way ever again to make it the biggest experience you could. And thus you had this 100% go to the, go straight to the mattresses and don't have any of that like stoppage at all. And Mm -hmm. there was also this encouragement and before the game to come up with a lot of ties, a lot of connections, a lot of scenes that you want to run so that you get to say, you know, I got to, you know, participate in a bloodbath and the, the anti, the old attic of a, gothic church in berlin i mean that's what you got out of that not that i managed to outmaneuver x y or z is that you had these fantastic moments and Mm. it's the focus on those moments in this particular type of game that i really like and the fact that i'm not going to play and there's nothing wrong with this but in mind's eye theater and in a lot of like boffer games every most of campaign games there's this idea that i'm going to slowly like maneuver and i'm going to have like maybe a few moments but i'm really kind of in it for the long haul but when you do these big, uh, big high budget, high immersion events, there's this buy-in to just go and just, just, just make everything happen because you don't have time, and there's yeah. and you want you want to have that fantastic experience, and everyone else around you wants to as well. And if you lose, it doesn't matter, right? Yeah. Because even if you die in the last hour, it's only an hour. And, yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I think Mike and I were that close to dying multiple times. We never knew it, <laughs> but we yeah. came. It was it was great because I mean it was a it was a definite um, it was a great example of of I think I mean I'm always aware of of I think the problem with 
I need LARP to feel like, as you say, that level of immersion that you are in the world of darkness. And while we do think, you know, the whole vampires wearing leather and crushed velvet, I think being in Berlin, it helped go, well, you kind of don't want to look like your vampires because you're meant to be walking between <laughs> places. And there are other things out there. There are the werewolf characters who will turn you into red mist. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was quite funny because Mike and I were walking around in suits because... You know, we're technocrats, we're, we're syndicate agents. And it was quite funny, people that would, we walk into a bar and the the camera vampires that would suddenly start talking to us and thought we were vampires simply because we were wearing suits. And we were like, <laughs> you poor, stupid, stupid people. Oh, well, that's, that's, uh, that's, um, that's the uh, hit marks ordered for the next night. Um, but oh, well. Anyway, carrying on then. So... This has obviously all inspired you. Like Enlightenment and Blood also had a great um the LARP weaver tool with um Which we you... developed actually. That's yeah, my so, baby. So that's um a system Ooh. which essentially is a is an online questionnaire that allows you to work out what type of game experience you want and leads you to a preset character which allows you to have that kind of experience obviously with whatever personalization you can bring to the game on the night and how and more importantly the... hook up people who yes. have the same ideas so it, it gets you into the game immediately yeah mm-hmm. so how is all of this then influencing you for this new larp that you're running in texas so in other words what is the new LARP that you're running? <laughs> right, let's get to it. Um, so after doing Enlightenment, Blood of Into the Line, we've seen, and uh, also, I haven't had the chance to go, but seeing Convention of Thorns, we've seen the, uh, the the European studios do this fantastic job doing these kind of like low street level, anarch kind of Camarilla experiences within the line, Enlightenment of Blood. And we had the Convention of Thorns, which is this very, high pageantry medieval sort of negotiation game focused on the founding of the Camarilla and so forth. And we sat back after talking about this and me and my partner, Steve Metz, who I found at Jackal of Live Action Studios, we said to ourselves, okay, there's real potential here. And after End of the Nine, New Orleans, the Americans can do it. There's this idea that, you know, the Nordic style doesn't export well, totally not true. We can totally get people who are longtime American vampire players in on this. So we founded Jackalope Live Action Studios with the intent of making these very visceral games. And we recently did a completely different type of game called A War of Our Own, which is actually set in a war zone. We had real military vehicles where people are playing civilian refugees. And people were 100% in it. We're not talking about people who came from Europe to play in a the Nordic style, but people who never played a game like this came in and they were 100% about it. So there was real potential. So we looked at that and we looked at the kind of like Camarilla Anarch sort of stuff. And we said, so, okay, that's really great for the, for the, you know, the, the Europeans and they're being all subtle and they have castles to rent. So what can we do in Texas? <laughs> and we, we kind of looked at each other and said, so who hasn't come to the table yet? Oh, wait, everybody's, everybody's favorite monsters haven't been here yet. So we said, we're going to do the Sabbat. We're going to do straight buckets of blood sabbat. And we're going to do something that's really going to be inspired by the, you know, big bespoke games and like the physicality of in the line. But the tone is going to be completely different. 
And me and uh, Steve and some of the other people working on the project kind of looked at each other. It's like, you know, it's basically the Americans are going to kick down the door with a revving chainsaw going, you know, let's fucking do this. Um, and and we're going to we're going to try and like really turn some heads with this thing and make it something really unique and special. Um, and that really kind of brings something that you could not do in the traditional way and without the techniques that have been developed up to this point. Cool. Um, I mean, so you say buckets of blood. So, so, um, so I think the re I think you, you've basically expressed why you want to do a Sabat game. Cause it is, it is something that's a not been explored. B they're renowned for the level of, I guess, violence, gore, um, things which if you're going to do this in a LARP, you're going to have to have um, the, the I would say, the supplies uh, to to um, to get that experience, which is going to be hopefully lots and lots of fake blood. Um, yeah. And players willing to engage in that kind of level of horror and violence. Um and the mechanisms to allow players to engage in that violence. Um, so what's your take on the Sabbat and like what really kind of, you know, made you go, yeah, this is what we, we want. This is, this is what, uh, yeah. The, what made this my jam is that my favorite vampire films growing up and going through stuff were like from dust till dawn mm -hmm. and uh, you know, that underrated cult classic near dark, and yeah. you know the lost boys yeah and i you know i i had the honor of playing in some really good some really good sabat games back in the day where like it eventually became my favorite kind of larp because it had all this kind of like weird civilized nature to it and but it was also they were the bad guys and there's something cathartic about it it's like it, it's like watching hannibal and the <laughs> fact that you have these beautiful monsters right um so I really, I really loved that sort of stuff. So we wanted to go and we looked, we thought about it and we said, okay, the real thing about playing Sabat LARP is you could get a really nice room with people in suits and that would look exactly like a Camarilla Conclave would look like. Absolutely. I get a nice big marble floored room full of people in suits and nice costumes. That's what, that, that's what they look like. So you could have a LARP with the normal MET rules and all that kind of stuff that would be like that. But in order to do, um, in order to do the sabat, if you look at the pictures, especially the older pictures, I loved the old school, the old school sabat, mm. which is the shovel heads, the blood bass, the people hanging from meat hooks, just the ones that were just willfully bad, right? Mm. And mm. they kind of have altered them a little bit over time to try to make them more playable in a campaign game, and I can appreciate that. But I liked when they were the bad guys, right? They were the ones who were just the unadulterated monsters. And I kind of saw the kind of like playing with darkness sort of thing going on there and how much fun it was. And I wanted to go and I wanted to say, you know, let's in order to do like a real Sabbat blood temple, which they do, they do like every other month. You would have to have, you know, the budget, the time to set it up. You'd have to have like props, people who understood how to do that stuff. You can't really outside of like a big high immersion, high, high, great kind of event, you're not able to do what these guys call Tuesday, you know? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> that's why we kind of taught that because it's like, if we had the money, we could do something like this. And I mean, do you want me to go? I can go into some of the premise if you'd like. 
Um, sure, go for it. I mean, yeah. just kind of give us, I guess, the, the the introductory kind of like kind of like synopsis, I guess, um, just to kind of the teaser to it. Okay, um, it's the late 1990s, um, and there is a illegal brave that a majority of the players have found out about in the backwoods of Texas, outside of Austin. We have an actual rave site, like a place where they hold rave concerts, that is actually run by other LARPers. And they found out about this legal rave, a majority of the characters will be human at the beginning of the night. And, you know, you have bikers, club kids, drug dealers, the usual, you know, collection of kind of World of Darkness, Flotsam and Jessam show up to this rave. The issue is, is that the entire thing is a, is a facade for a mass embrace and blood temple of the Sabbat to prepare to, for a siege on Austin. And as the night goes on, what was just kind of a rave site with a bunch of like, you know, techno and, uh, and industrial music playing is slowly going to transform into a real, like, you know, it's going to turn into a very bad place. <laughs> and yeah. yeah. And you know, for the first, you know, the first act, there's not going to be, you know, the humans are going to do their thing. And then the second and third, by the second act, people are going to start disappearing. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to get in. I won't get, I won't spoil everything, but we are going to make it so that this place transforms into the place that the Sabbat call home. Right. And their kind of celebration and that kind of indoctrination. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. But we have this place out in the middle of the woods, far away from cell phone coverage, where you're not going to be able to get back to your car. And, you know, Texas is big, it's empty, and no one's going to hear you scream. Hmm. It's, it sounds to me, it, it sounds like the, the, the LARP equivalent to trying to replicate um, the bloodbath scene at the start of Blade. Um, oh yes that's oh, kind yes. of like if you're it'd be good if people do you know you want you have to be careful because kind of the, the feeling that you could slip on a bit of blood would be good um <laughs> you know what? You, you obviously don't want people to slip on it because obviously health and safety that would be really bad but also at the same time it wouldn't feel gory enough unless there was that this this is slick with with gore um Chick, do you want to take the next question then? Yeah. Um, so Chris and Mike, their first, as far as I'm aware for Mike, their first LARP experience was the Enlightenment and Blood. Um, how new player friendly is uh, is this LARP going to be? Well, it's going to be very new player friendly. Um, we're looking forward to this experience being, even if you know nothing about the world of darkness, you're able to walk away from saying, I had this awesome horror experience. I had this awesome, like, haunted house I got to participate in sort of experience. So because of the setup where you're not supposed to know anything, you're just a clueless, you know, club kid or something like that. Mm-hmm. You can walk in and just know nothing until the fucking vampires show up. Right? right. And when you get into that, that's going to be, you know, you're, you're, they're going to tell you what you are and they're going to give you all that you need to know, which might be even great if you know nothing about it. Cause you might buy this, the Sabat party line hook line and sinker at that point. Right. And that could really be an insight into how, you know, these creatures believe and act the way they do. And then there's going to be tickets and, you know, we're going to get people who really know the setting, know the background are really into it. And, you know, there's going to be 
be a population of vampires and possibly other things there that we can hand over to them and say, you know, okay, you're a Lissombra, you know, that is right. And they'll be able to embody that kind of greater lore knowledge so that the veterans can go in and, you know, we can benefit from what they bring to the table. And then we can also, if you're just completely new, you know, you've never played vampire in your life, but you just know that this is like a, the vamp, this is a horror vampire, you know, from dusk till dawn kind of inspired experience. You'll still have a great time because the rules are very light and it's not like you're going to get lore like slammed because you don't know the lore much like with enlightenment of blood where it was really easy to, and, and in the line where it's easy to play if you didn't know the lore. So it's going to be the same kind of experience because you're a clueless mortal to start at the night. And the more clueless, the better. Yeah, awesome. Um, and, and on the thing of like slipping on blood and the kind of horror movie thing, we have our haunted house thing. We have haunted house people from around the state who have enlisted to help us who mm. do this every year, three or four times a year of how to get people through these kind of experiences. What's safe? What isn't? And also how to pull off really like getting in there and being really visceral without being dangerous. Yeah. Good. Cool. Good. Um, so this is going to be a very violent and very gory style LARP, it sounds like. Um, what mechanisms are there for uh, players to control their consent within the game? Is there going to be an X card style mechanic if somebody feels uncomfortable or if they feel that, you know, this scene has gone on long enough, we can fade to black. Is there going to be anything like that? So we are very consent focused in this game. Um, one of the things, and this has become a mantra of mine is that we have to fight the interpretation that consent mechanics are there to blunt an experience. They're not, they're there to make it so that you can go as dark as you want to go. You can go as far into the shadows as you want to go. And you can do it confidently. I use the term to go confidently into the darkness so that everybody's on the same page. And if people are not on the same page, you know, they can talk to you about it. So we're going to be very focused on the consent mechanics, much like we see in Enlightenment of Blood and in the Line, where you cannot touch somebody without prior negotiation. And you can say to them, hey, and I just did this in the War of Our Own game, I can say, I want to throw you to the ground and beat the crap out of you. Is that okay? And you're able to say, you know, I, I, I'm asking for consent, physical contact. This is what I want to do. And then they can reply and they say, okay, this is what, I, this is what I'm okay with. And then once both sides have an enthusiastic, unambiguous yes, then you're able to play out the scene. And someone could say, I'd rather just like have you home, like you chase me into this room and I'll scream, but we don't actually do anything. It's just, we handle it off stage. Someone could say, I just want to fade to black. Mm. And okay. we're, we're going to call that running into the darkness. So if you fade to black, it literally is you ran into the night and then whatever happened, happened without witnesses. And then there's somebody who could say, yeah, absolutely. Throw me down, that kind of stuff. And to that end, we're going to do not only heavy workshopping of consent mechanics like that, what we're going to do is do heavy workshopping of how to play fight well, because most people don't know how to do that. Yeah. And one of the more important rules on like stage fighting is that when you're grappling someone and like forcing them around in stage fighting, they're actually the ones leading. You actually have your arms limp and just your hands on them. 
It's up to them to act like they're struggling. Much like when I throw someone to the ground, I don't throw them to the ground. They throw themselves to the ground and I act like I did it. So because they always know what their level of physical comfort and how they should land is better than you do. Right. And so we're going to do that kind of stuff for safety and consent reasons. And so that people understand like you're not the one who's actually like chasing the person down and jumping on them. They're the ones controlling that part of their experience. And then there's going to be check-in uh, mechanics such as, and like calibrate, I call them calibration. And that's really important to our system where we have the okay check-in has become pretty prominent. We have a variation in it called the four response, which we used, uh, we've used successfully so far where if, you know, Charles is on the ground crying and I'm wondering, is Charles okay? Or, and he's just a really good actor or is Charles actually upset? If you have to say something, there's this, there's this like social barrier because a scene's going on and you don't want to interrupt. So we don't want there to be any barrier between you checking in on Charles, right? Mm -hmm. So what we have is we have a hand signal, which is simply, you just put an okay sign to your chest. Or if they can't see you, like bend over and you like put it in their face as so they can see it. And they can either respond with like a okay sign for I'm fine or like thumbs up is like, I'm into this. This would go farther. I'm good. And there's also like the so-so wavy hand sign and the no sign, both of which is like the scene either pauses or stops like immediately with a thumbs down. Mm. And you just narrate what happens and you immediately check in with the person and say, you know, are you okay? Can I take you to the out of character area? You know, do you need me to get something for you? Because, and, uh, and Johanna uh, Coljuni has this great phrase that I will repeat at every single game, no matter what it is for the rest of my life, which is people are more important than LARPs. Hmm. And we want you, everyone here should care more about the other person than a scene. So what we want to do is take these mechanisms and we want to make it so that if I am going full Hannibal Lecter on somebody and like, you know, doing this, you know, horrible Sabati stuff on them, I want to be able to stop quickly at any time without breaking the flow of the scene or anyone else who's witnessing it who might not be sure what's going on and say, is this okay? And when you have the ability to, for everyone to say without breaking up the game, is this okay? suddenly everyone's confidence increases in what we're doing and you can have that buy-in. And as far as like what you said about the X card, we have an equivalent called bow out where if you just can't be here right now, you are always allowed to leave. Hmm. If you put your hand on the back of your head and you put your head down a little bit, which looks like you're bowing out, you're, you're done. And the rule is that person leaves. You don't comment on it. You don't make it an in-character thing. They're allowed to do that. Get out of their way. Let them go. They, they're doing what they need to do for themselves, which is good because this isn't a macho thing. This isn't like, you know, you're admitting weakness. What it is is that you're actually being brave because rather than going along with what everyone else is doing, you're doing what's right for you, right? Yeah. And that's actually a very brave thing to do against a group of people, uh, even if they don't intend to be like pressuring you. There's this constant pressure to go along with things, even if you've got completely comfortable. So we want to say to the group, if you do this, we applaud it because it is a, you are being responsible and you are, you are owning your emotions and you are doing the right thing. And at the same time, 
we're all here to look out for each other because every one of us is more important than the game. And we want to make it so that everybody can really get into this without being afraid. Because one of the things with playing with dark subject matter, and we saw this with like a, a war zone where we were dealing with war refugees and like blank bullets going off and like a simulated like wartime experience based on this war of mine. We, we saw that you have to have that kind of calibration in order for everyone to be confident. Because if you don't have that kind of calibration and you're trying to go into the darkness, you get two results, both of which are bad. Which is the first result is the people who go, who are able to go into the darkness are people who don't care how other people feel. And you don't want those people playing, right? Mm -hmm. right. And you certainly don't want them playing when there's no signals for people to, to voice their dissent and voice that they're not cool with something. So, and I think that's where a lot of the like bad cred that kind of like dark games get in LARP is that before we had these tools, the people who are, went to the edge were by definition, the people who had less empathy and were less concerned with how, what other people feel, felt compared to like enforcing the world or whatever, whatever they said to themselves. And the other option you get is people who kind of tiptoe into the darkness because they don't know how far they're allowed to go. And there's no basis for negotiating that. Hmm. And when there's no basis for negotiating that, you have to kind of guess. And if you're a healthy, balanced person, I don't want to like seriously mess with somebody just to do a horror scene. And I want to know they're okay with it, but I don't want to break up the scene or have this weird expectations. So I don't know how far I could go. So you get this lack of confidence. You get this kind of, uh, this kind of like step into it, but not too far. Mm -hmm. Neither result gets you what you want because one is uns the first one is unsafe. And the second one doesn't really get you to where you need to be. So now that we have consent and the ability to bow out and everything like that, and we encourage that culturally, we can turn around and we can say, okay, we're really going to do this. And these are the tools we're using. And that's that. Cool. Um, I think that covers it. I mean, that, I mean, most, as I said, most of those kind of the consent mechanics um, were things which I think really helped in, um, for enlightenment in blood. Uh, I mean, generally, I would say in that experience, it's, I don't feel like I had to, so long as everyone's on the right, you know, everyone initially from the outside is in the right place. They don't feel intrusive at all because they more, more often than not, I, I don't think we often had, myself or players around me had to resort to them, but it's always good that they're there, especially when you are in, in these, when you do have scenes that are a lot more physical, um, in nature or darker in its content and um it's the, the seatbelt the seatbelt rule right yeah yeah never you never want to use them but you're you're damn glad they're there um right. okay so the other question then is given that this is a more focused uh LARP event because it's just I, I assume it's mainly just vampire characters there unless some poor <laughs> cult of ecstasy person turns up at the laugh and is like what the hell is going on um uh, <laughs> well vampires and mortals vampires yes, and mortals of course, yeah. yeah so um what uh kind of processes are you looking at for how players get 
their character for this game and kind of what type of systems are in place for how uh, vampires will be able to use their powers. Are we looking at things similar to End of Line? Are we looking at variations upon that or something completely new? So we're going to be using the, for the, the first part of your question about how do we do characters, is that we're going to be using the LARP Weaver system, which mm-hmm. is, like you said, it's kind of an online questionnaire, kind of a online choose-your-own-adventure sort of thing where you decide what you want to play. And we're actually putting out a new version of it that allows for even better calibration where you can say, these are themes that do appeal to me, these are themes that don't, and it starts presenting you with choices. And then eventually it filters you down and says, okay, here's the characters we think would fit you. Pick the one that you think would be most interesting to you. Hmm. And so there's that level of character creation and where you'll get like a summary of you're part of this street gang, which has shown up and you have the motivations to do this and you have this relationship. This guy is the boss of the gang and you really want to impress him. And this guy is, you know, a guy, you know, but he's like a club kid and, you know, he's, you know, turning into a junkie. So we're going to do all this kind of personal sort of drama between each other. And that's how we're going to select the characters as they're going to be written. There's a uh, layer of filtration on top of that where, you know, we're going to have a majority of the tickets and we're going to get your, you know, level of uh, comfort. Excuse me. We're going to get to your, your level of comfort with, um, you know, the, the world and the system and so forth. And we're going to decide, you know, a lot of people might want to play vampires, but we're going to say, listen, it's going to be really fun to play mortal. It's mm. going to be really fun. And you're not going to be immortal for long. And we're going to, you know, and there's going to be certain characters where we're going to have some tickets, which are going to be kind of premium tickets. But what you get out of that premium ticket is we're going to get real special effects makeup artists there. We're going to do you up and like do prosthetics. We have uh, Father Sebastian, who's a very well-renowned fangsmith in like the vampire club culture. He runs the Endless Night Balls. And he's going to be doing there for these like, high-level tickets he's going to be doing things for everyone who buys them mm-hmm. um so certain ones are like you know we're doing high visceral so if you want to play as amici you're playing a goddamn amici and you're going to show up you know in the nines right and we're going to put your game face on because and that's going to be part of the joy of the game is that we're going to do like the prosthetic work and really get in there and like you know once again it's like we want people to come out of that game saying, you know what? I played vampire for 10 years, but I didn't realize how screwed up and terrible these creatures were until yeah. tonight. Um, and how just terrifying it is and how easily they could like intimidate and, and control people. As far as the powers themselves, we're very much taking lines from Enlightenment of Blood and in the line where the powers you have, there's not really, it's not going to be like uh, Mindset Theater where you have rock, paper, scissors. Uh, You're going to have a few very specific powers. We're definitely going to reuse the really, really mechanic, which you guys Mm -hmm. played with, with uh, Enlightenment of Blood, where if I want to like dominate you, I say, you really, really want to do what I say. Yeah. And it's like the signal. And combat is just going to be, the rule is just going to be vampire versus mortal vampire wins. Yeah. And with the other things is going to be we compare two numbers but those numbers will just give you a sense of how it would work out mm-hmm. if you really want to lose 
we'll talk about and negotiate the fight when losing and we'll do the fight and we'll go on top of the monomacy pit and we'll go after each other with swords and we'll have like almost kind of a professional wrestling experience. Mm -hmm. And yes, we are going to have a monomacy pit. <laughs> nice. Um, and so we're going to go like light with the rules. And the idea is, is that just get into it and like have fun and get in there and like kill your friends and bury them and bring them back. And let's have a great night, you know? And the other thing we're really playing around with the characters is that something, one of the reasons we're going with old school Sabat is that I love, I love, and they got, they, they minimize as time went on. I understand what they did. I love the shovel head ritual. Yeah, I really do. The entire idea that you get, a, you, they, they bury you in this like metaphorical death and you come back and it changed and how hard you struggle to get out is how much changed you are. And that's why the Sabbat become monstrous so easily and quickly. Mm. And so we're going to play around with this idea that, you know, this, this, this experience twists you and you get to play around with somebody who didn't, you suddenly you're someone who didn't have power, who now has been given power. Mm. You have somebody who might've been reserved and didn't like about themselves. And now they're not, you have somebody who used to be, you know, used to not have confidence now they do because whatever barrier that their humanity put between them and just their desire and their like you know will has been removed and then you encounter you know your friend who you thought you know was kind of reserved and kind of didn't really like fit in and you're trying to get them to kind of other shell goes off into the darkness with some weird guy and he comes back and suddenly he doesn't have any of that lack of confidence and suddenly he doesn't seem right. And then within 15, 30 minutes, you found out why. Mm. And you get to, you get to sense that change in dynamic because you have these people that suddenly have are special and powerful when they weren't before. Excellent. Um, so I guess, um, I mean, with the, with the, um, with, players being vampires as well um you, you're also using the feeding kind of mechanic so like if you want to feed on someone in a kind of uh it's the whole hand on the wrist unless the players want to obviously engage in the acting in a more physical yes. level yeah cool yeah um the, the feeding is going to be slightly might be slightly less subtle than it was in the line. yeah yeah sure it might be that you just wrench away from their neck like uh, bucks because we're literally like uh at end of the line they had these little bottles of blood that you could like put into your mouth and like it was slowly leak and the joke we have is like we're gonna have sponges <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're yeah. able to just chomp on them and just like just gore because yeah. i want i want people looking down and seeing someone like and just like just blood just dripping because you're sabat you don't care being a vampire is great. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. Chick, um, do you want to take the next question? Uh, let's see. Where were we? Um, do, do, did that one, did that one. Um, where do you draw the line with violence and gore? Um, is there something, is, are, there, are there themes or topics or just acts that uh, are over the line that won't be allowed? The simplest one, the simplest one is, is it safe, right? Um, if you want to put someone on a me cook, I don't care how much they're into it. I don't want to do that, you know? Okay. 
if you want to literally beat someone up. I don't care how much they're into it. That's not what we're doing, right? The, the actual physical safety of the players mm. is the biggest line. But there's also this issue of mental safety. And there's also an issue of what we're focusing on. Certain topics require special handling, special focus, and special um, attention and monitoring. And we are going to have game mon monitors who are not involved with running the game, but their only job is to make sure everyone's safe and no one is getting ahead of themselves. So, but there are other topics which we're just taking off the table and the, the, the conceits of vampire allow, allow us to. We're not going to do sexual violence. We're just going to take that off the table because one, you're in human sabbat. That doesn't mean anything to you. That's our in-character like justification. But the real thing is, is that that is a very, very specific topic that needs to be dealt with very seriously and very candidly. And mm -hmm. I don't think adds anything to the experience and does not need to be there and would take so much time and so much effort to properly do and would be a real boundary for a lot of people who'd be otherwise into this kind of horror experience. So we're not going to do any of that, you know, uh, because I am, I'm not against, I'm not against that topic being part of any game ever. I'm not against that, but within the con context of this game where we're dealing with so much already and we're pushing so many boundaries and we're not able to be on top of that sort of stuff as organizers and as players and juggle all those balls in a way that's going to make everyone feel safe. We're not going to do that. And that's a big line for us. And luckily we can, we can hand wave it away within the context of, you know, inhuman vampires, they don't do that sort of thing. But also, mm -hmm. I mean, we did a similar thing when we did a war of our own, even though that kind of stuff is part of the, it's part of the war refugee experience. We simply said, Listen, this is part of it. We recognize it, you know, but we are doing so much other stuff and this needs special treatment. And just personally, as a writer and designer, as an organizer, I'm not the one to do that. I'm not the one to handle that kind of content. And that's just not me right now. And that's where I've drawn, drawn a line. So like physical safety, like there's, there's stuff that just is way too heavy to have be part of this wider tapestry, such as sexual assault and similar kinds of uh, issues mm. where, you know, it's kind of like, that's the kind of horror I'm not going to deal with. That's not kind of, that's the kind of terrible I'm dealing with a lot of other kind of terrible right now. And that's kind of the worst kind of terrible. And I'm not the one who wants to run that. And I don't think that that the inclusion of that kind of content should be a barrier to other people coming in and enjoying a, a game. That's not explicitly about that and shouldn't be. Fine, yeah, that's I think that covers that quite concretely. Um, because yeah, it's it's just I think as you said, the the setting and the nature of vampires just makes it easy to well, it makes it plausible to not include that kind of content because it's kind of it's 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 beyond the bounds of it's beyond the um the the scope of vampires feeding on mass at some rave you know it doesn't add anything extra to that experience really of oh my god the vampire's going to chew down on me and i'm going to get turned into some inhuman vampire monster it's um 
it's yeah, it doesn't really add much to that, which is um, which is and when good. we're trying to open up people's physicality and like make yeah. them make them good with that, saying that this is not happening, right? No matter how far you've gone deep in this, this is a firm line. I think will give people, especially people who've had the the tragedy of being being burdened with those kinds of experiences to um and having survived them hmm. uh, to not have to think about that and while also juggling the idea of like somebody throwing them down and like fake feeding on them we want people to buy into this as kind of a cathartic participatory horror experience and we don't want to say like there's going to be this like dark thing hovering in the background that might come up yeah that's like yeah. that's just another step we're just saying no that's not here that that's gone we're 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 gonna we're gonna do this other thing and we're not gonna go any further we're not gonna go into that territory that's a, a really good line to draw and i'm i'm glad that you're explicitly drawing that in advance yes and also i mean part of the things like safety monitors are there for us to make sure yes these people are throwing to your ground but don't don't touch people in ways that they don't want to be touched and make sure you talk about that even by accident be a good person apologize and immediately stop and immediately acknowledge what you did right and just like you would in any any situation where you did something like that when it wasn't part of what it was being expected good um okay so uh leading us into the last kind of um question that we've got here uh before we have any final thoughts um so in designing this game uh, you know in coming up with a concept for it what's the most exciting aspect of the sabbat that you're hoping that this game explores other than other than the feeding is there some sort of element of the law that you want to that you're going like that'll be great to see in action or so you know something like that or the the philosophy of the sabbat maybe um so the biggest thing that i i love about the sabbat is beyond just the um beyond just the the being able to put on the spectacle right where we can you could open up the books from like player's guide and guide the sabbat and all those lovely illustrations of that grotesquerie and savagery you finally get to be you finally get to have it I think there's the the idea that you have these group of people that ha are, who are absolutely honest with what they are as kindred or as canines, where they say we are we are vampires and we're going to instead of trying to model our world after the human world like the Camry or the Anarchs do and deal with things in a human way, we're going to deal with things in a vampire way. And what does that mean? And what role does kind of the rituals and religion of the Sabbat hold to? And what does it mean to be f like to be free through savage power? Because hmm. that's really what the Sabbat are about, is that they are able to have such immense power, not just through their, their way of being canines, but the fact that they're fearless. It's that great line from Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, you know, fear me for I'm fearless and therefore powerful, right? Mm. Um, and that kind of fearlessness, I mean, what's the cost of that kind of power? What's the cost of the freedom that could, that comes with? And how do you hold a society together based on that? 
and the the way you do is through a a different form of oppression which is through through uh, uh group mentality through ritual but also through having rules for everything to deal with this freedom you have to have rules for everything there cannot be this kind of like wink wink that goes on in the Camarilla and these other groups it has to be like there's a purity and like a dynamism to the sabbat which is the reason they function i often when i'm talking about this from uh, a lore perspective because i i like i said i played in sabbat larps nine or ten years i I've, i recently just recently turned the mes game and i played for six months without even going to the cayman art game i just went to the sabbat game and whenever i describe the difference in the camarilla and the sabbat the camarilla is this big granite block that just doesn't move and it's like got a structure and it's got its size and it's not gonna it's gonna barely move an inch because that's what it is that's how it has stability the sabbat mm-hmm. has stability through like it's like a bunch of rubber bands pulling on each other and they're all they kind of like settle at a point right but there's like this complete tension it's like a suspension bridge Mm. and you it's that tension and that dynamism and that violence and that churn and that all that kind of stuff where you see that there's kind of an order in their savagery and the fact that since they have rules for it and there's like a purpose to it and that they guild in this religious sort of aspect. It's like dark religion. That's how they both, you know, they they do believe in Cain and his power and how he manifests through their right eye. But there's also this other idea of like, this is the only thing keeping us functioning as a group is the idea that these rules are inviolate hmm. at a religious level, at a, at a faith level, that we can at least... You know, we have methods of solving our problems without ripping each other's threads to shreds. And we have the minimum amount of structure in us informed through this like dynamic, vi- this violent dynamism that is so, so different from like the Camarilla or the, or the Anarchs to a lesser extent. But it's this idea that you can have kind of like stability and chaos if the chaos is filtered in the right way. Hmm. Hmm. It'll be it'll be interesting to see um, you know after after this event um, and then when we learn more about fifth edition vampire, it'll be interesting to to re-explore um, the Sabbat <laughs> in a lot when we when we have the um, the Sabbat back from their uh, from their holy war because it because obviously the it would just be interesting to see how they've how they've uh, looked at how they evolve. Um, it'll be definitely uh an event in its own right um any last questions then chick no no that's uh i think we've covered great. everything yeah, for this absolutely. I, so want to, I so want to know what they're doing in fifth edition just as a person <laughs> i want to write what they're doing in fifth edition yeah. just to make sure because um i mean just as a, a personal note going into like the greater kind of product line sort of thing is that what we saw i started out on the sabbat reading the original player's guide in like 1997 when I first started really getting into vampire and the storyteller's guide where it was all about infernalists and the Lilithites. And like, there was all this like paranoia inside the Sabbat about people not being the, but the Sabbat was not a church. It was religious, but it was not a church, you know, in the same way, like the IRA is a religious organization, but it is not, or religiously uh, motivated, but it is not a church in and of itself. Mm. Um, 
and to see them kind of change over time because they became less and less the bad guys uh, explicitly and less kind of like punk and chaotic. And they started getting more of a kind of structure and they became more and more kind of uh, monolithic. And that's kind of reached its its natural conclusion in the latest By Night Studios round where they've completely given up on uh, mass embraces. They, the majority of them are in humanity now. Hmm. Um, You know, they, they, they kind of ah, domesticated them a little bit, I think would be, is, might be a little harsh to say, but I I think it's fair to say in the interest of kind of making them playable and making them have long-term sort of stuff going on. And I would like to see an exploration of, but what if, Instead, they we they went back down a monstrous a monstrous path, but figured out how to make it work, rather mm-hmm. than turning their back on that. And yeah. they they changed they they changed in a different way. So I'm really interested in seeing what happens in fifth edition because the the sabbat go off and then they come back very different than how they started. Yeah, and maybe I'm hoping because this is how I started and maybe I'm just an old fogey who likes, you know, obviously I like my Sabbat violent and brutal um, mm-hmm. because of this game I'm running. I'm really hoping that they bring some of that, that back. I don't have any inside knowledge, but I'd love to write that book. Oh, I'll, I'll see. I'll see what I can uh, tease out of. Um, I'll see what I can tease out of the guides when I'm at UK Games Expo. Um, <laughs> um, I, I, I tried to get so much out of World of Darkness Berlin. I want to know so much about that. and I want to know about Mage. That's yeah. the two things I want to know. <laughs> right. Um, so if people want to find out more um, about the uh, about this LARP event, um, so again, just as we're closing off then, so the name of the LARP event again is? The Night in Question. It is scheduled for November 17th, 2018. It is going to be run outside of Austin, Texas, and tickets will be on sale soon if they are not already at the top time of this and uh and with pricing uh we really want to support the mind's eye theater clubs and organizations that have been keeping the world of darkness alive for so many years in live action role playing so we are encouraging like local license and national level license mind's eye theater groups to contact us so that we can offer uh some discounted tickets to staff and players who might not be able to go and i know that we're going to offer some of the high-level tickets up for charity auction uh, through uh, Mind's Eye Society. And we're also going to be out re- reaching out to Underground Theater and a few others. But if you're part of one of those groups, part of, maybe part of one of the national or regional staff in the Texas area, I encourage you to contact me at outreach at jackalope-larp.com. And we'll be able to work out something there because we really recognize that these organizations have been really integral to keeping vampire the masquerade running all these years and we don't want to kind of be inaccessible inaccessible in any way to those groups that have done so much for what we're doing here keep an eye out on this is an officially licensed game so keep an eye on both white wolf social media and the social media of jackalope live action studios we're at on twitter at jackalope larp and we are on Facebook under the name Jackalope Live Action Studios. You'll be able to track us, uh, both that the World of Darkness projects and other projects we're working on uh, as well. Yeah, and we'll make sure that those links are in the show notes. 
Uh, and um, yes, so if people have any other questions or follow up on this, uh, they can email darkerdaysradio at darkerdaysradio at gmail.com. We are on Twitter at darkerdaysradio. We're on Facebook. We're on Google+. Um, and that is pretty much it. Any other last things, Chig? No, that's good for me. I feel like one. One last thing your uh, viewers or our listeners might be interested in is that the tickets are probably going to start around $150, $200, and the special packages are going to go up probably in the $600, $800 range. So okay. it's it's going to be in that range, but we're using it to spend a lot of money on like props and getting a lot of pro stuff done. Excellent. Great. Well, thank you for um, your time, Matt, and uh, and explaining uh, and giving us a, a, a just a uh, 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 feeling for what this uh, event is going to be. Uh, it will be great to see the final <laughs> product and the um, and the. Uh, You're going to come pictures. out for it, aren't you? Uh, I wish uh, I I can't say anything about that. I mean, chick, you're in the area, so um, I mean, it's right down the street. Yeah, it's right down the street. You could just get bathed in blood for uh, Dark Ace Radio, <laughs> um, um, which would be pretty wicked. Um, but otherwise, thank you for um, taking the time to come on the show and talk about that. Chick, thank you again for uh, joining me to ask some enlightening and insightful questions. And Always happy to be here. Thank you very much for the opportunity. And thank you for listening, and goodbye. Goodbye.